Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. So we're in a series right now called How to Tame Your Monsters. Right here, you got some monsters. I'm kidding. I'm joking. Relax. I want you to turn and tell your neighbor you got issues. All right? Turn and tell your neighbor you got issues. And some of you are really good at that right now, huh? I see the smiles, huh? You got issues. I told you. I told you. This is a mad guy right here. Pastor is allowing me to speak into my spouse today. Come on, somebody. I want you to turn your other neighbor and say, I got issues too. I got issues too. And here's what I've I've even noticed, that many of us, we try to compare our monsters with others, right? I got bigger issues than you, son. Come on, somebody. But I'm here to challenge you today. Let us tame our monsters. So the title of my message today is how to accept or reject your monster. How to accept or reject your monster. We're in week three of the series. It's been a powerful series. I'm already noticing and seeing uh, the stories come in. People put on the prayer cards that are on the backside of your connect card of all the things that God is doing through their mind, through their monster. So monsters are those negative thoughts that we all battle. The creeping shadows of our mind, exactly what this looks like. The creeping shadows of our mind that feed our insecurities, that feed our fears, or maybe promote anger. Things that bring us down a dangerous path. But I want you to know, you're not alone today. We all have these monsters. But we have the decision today. You have the power and the authority, according to the Word of God, to accept them or to reject them. That's a good place to say, come on, somebody. It's a good place to say amen, because I believe we have power over the monsters in our mind. But here's the good news today. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the NIV version says this. Do not conform means imic or imitate. Don't mimic, don't conform to the monsters of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you allow God to renew your mind, the Word of God, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good his pleasing, and his perfect will. I've had a lot of people come to me and say, Pastor, I don't know what God wants to do with my life. I don't know what God's plan or purpose for my life is. I always say, go to growth track. Step one today. You'll learn about our church, but then you're going to discover who you are. You're going to discover God's plan for your life. But for many of us, we do. We still say it. Like, I don't know what God wants me to do. I'm going to challenge you according to Romans chapter 12. Do not conform, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you want to know God's perfect, pleasing will for your life, renew your mind. It all starts in the mind. It all starts between our ears. And so during the series, I introduced an acronym. And this acronym spells out the word faith. F stands for, well, it's to focus on the positive. And man, oh man, it's so easy to focus on negative stuff, isn't it? Right? The doom and the gloom of the daily news. So I'm encouraging you, let's focus on the positive. Today, we're going to talk about affirm yourself. How to, how to have personal, spiritual affirmation. Next week is I, it's imagine, I love this one, imagine God doing something good in your situation. If you have a hard time focusing on the positive, do what I says. Imagine God doing something really good on your behalf. Imagine your family knowing Jesus Christ. Imagine your workplace being a light instead of a dark place. Imagine what God can do. Imagine never being addicted or confused or a slave to sin. And so you got to come back next week. The real preacher's going to be here next week. Pastor Lindsay's going to be hitting up. I, 
And imagine God. It's public, baby. Imagine God doing something good in your situation. T is trust God in all things. That's going to be in two weeks from now. And the H is hope for the best. Hope for the best. But here's what faith is. In Hebrews chapter 11, faith is the substance. We're keeping it right here. The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I don't know if you ever uh, built a house. I don't know if you ever bought land. To, to build a brand new house. I don't know if you've ever remodeled a bathroom or a room. Our home that we live in now, we purchased it and we brought somebody over. They were like, oh. <laughs> we're like, hey, don't, I'm excited about this because we're about to rehab this thing. We're about to tear down walls, rip up carpet, and they couldn't see what we saw. I, was, uh, I had a friend of ours, they bought land, they're going to build a house. They brought me to their land when I was a kid, and they're like, look. I was like, yeah, it's, it's land. That's very exciting. Can we go eat now? Can we leave? But they were excited, not because of what was, but what was to come. I'm here to tell you today, faith is not being excited for what you see now. Faith is being excited for what you can't see. Faith is coming. It's on the way. Faith is excited about what will be. Not what is. Uh, you know, sometimes we drive around Las Vegas all the time, and we'll see abandoned buildings. We'll see land that's not purchased. And my wife and I instantly, all the time, we'll say, that'd be a great church for Avenue Church. Come on. That'd be a great building for Avenue to call home. Right on the 15, right on the 215. A beautiful, beautiful property. And my son, who's seven years old in the back seat, will go, that is ugly. It is nasty. And I say, son, that's because we're not looking at what is. We're looking at what it could become. It could become a life-giving lighthouse in the city of Las Vegas for God's praise and God's glory. Matt, 30 seconds in, I'm preaching good already. Come on, somebody. I'm excited what God's going to do during this series, during this message, because I want to welcome our online audience. If you're watching at home, I want to welcome you on the rebroadcast of YouTube, those that are here today. Because I really believe this series can literally change your day. It can literally change your life, your month, or your week. Because if we can accept or reject the monsters in our life, that sometimes I believe when it comes to affirming ourselves, it takes a lot of faith to believe what God's Word says about us. Because we're looking at it now. I'm looking at my current situation. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at where I'm stuck at or where I'm at right now. And God's saying, don't look at this. I want you to look at that. I want you to look ahead. I want you to know what God's word says about you. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a caterpillar, right? Caterpillars are ugly, right? If you like caterpillars, I'm so sorry if I offended you. You're like, oh, my God, I like caterpillars. Like, calm down. They're, they're slow. They're sluggish, they're sticky, they're vulnerable. Birds can swoop up and grab a caterpillar. But a caterpillar, like, makes it. Sometimes we're caterpillars in this room, right? If I could just make it, if I could make it to the end of the day, if I could make it to the end of the week, right? If you have kids at home during the summer, if I could just make it to August, come on, somebody. But the caterpillar goes into a cocoon, and in that cocoon, it has a metamorphosis that takes place. And then the caterpillar begins to break out and changes into a butterfly. The butterfly is no longer vulnerable. It has wings. It has freedom. It can fly. It can go about doing what God has called it to do. I'm here to challenge you today. Are you looking at the caterpillar faith? Are you looking at the faith that flies on wings of eagles? And I had to change it last service because I was like, are you a butterfly? And some dude was like, I'm not a butterfly. <laughs> Wings of eagles. 
I'm going to encourage you today. Are you finding freedom? Are you stuck in your guilt and shame? Because I want to encourage you today, instead of, instead of not identifying with the you who is stuck here, identify with the you that God is creating inside of you. I want you to identify with the you that God is creating, but the enemy does not want you to fall in love with the you that's in God's word. Otherwise, you'll make a difference. You'll make an impact. The enemy wants you to be stuck in the you that is right here and right now so that you won't discover your purpose. So you, you won't make a difference. So you won't go to growth track. So you walk out of here depressed and stuck and exactly where you're at. I want to encourage you, Philippians chapter 1, verse 4 through 6, says this. I love this. This is Paul. He says, all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He says, be confident in this. That's faith right there. Being confident in this, that he, Jesus, who began a good work in you, will carry it to completion until the day of Christ. Now, this is a great scripture to read on Sunday morning, right? We go, whoa, come on, somebody. Yes! But do we really believe it? Do we really believe that God put a good work inside of you? And that good work, God's going to carry it out unto completion until he comes back. I want to encourage you today. Do you believe in the metamorphosis of what God is doing inside of you? As I want to talk to you today, just really two quick points. How do I affirm myself? How do I affirm myself? How do I accept or reject my monster. How do I move on from here? I love focus on the positive. And, and this week I had a, instead of my don't do it list, I had my do it like this list. How many did that this week, right? You're focusing on the positive. Well, today I'm going to teach you how do we affirm ourselves. And number one, write, write this down. It's not very popular. But number one, how do I affirm myself? We repent. We repent. And you might be new here today, and you're like, man, I've been here for like 10 minutes, and you said the R word already, right? I grew up in this word, right? Like, repent! Like, you repent first, right? But I want to encourage you, repentance simply means to change your direction. I'm going this way. I'm on the highway to hell. I'm, on, I'm going towards death. But if I repent, I'm going to change my direction. I'm going to change my Mine. I'm going to go towards the things of God. I want. Now I'm going to know God. I'm going to find freedom, discover my purpose. I'm going to make a difference for God's praise and God's glory. But have you ever had someone go the wrong way? So I was. Uh, I don't know if you ever been in this kind of situation where maybe you're in a car and someone's driving you. And I'm not talking about Uber or Lyft, right? Because they always go weird ways, anyways. Because they're following their GPS and their phone. But maybe you got someone on your, uh, that's driving, and this is kind of going back to like early 2000s, all right? Where someone's driving, and you got the directions, and you know how to get to your house, but they don't. And so as you're driving along, you're like, hey, 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 turn right there. See that road right there? Turn right there. And they're like, okay, they turn. Or maybe they're not paying attention, right? Or maybe because you're driving, you want to be safe, and so maybe your spouse has the GPS on her phone, but she has to, she, she has to verbally tell her deaf husband who's driving the instructions because they can't hear Surrey. And so she'll go, uh-uh, turn right here, turn right here, and I'll miss the turn. Now, there's a big difference between husbands and wives when it comes to missing a turn. You weren't in here last service, honey. I love you, Pastor Lindsay. Right? If two dudes miss a turn, ah, there's your turn. You missed the turn. <laughs> we just do a U-turn. We keep talking. 
right? But if it's the husband and wife, we missed a turn. You missed a turn. Take me home. We're going to be late. I don't even want to go. That's a personal thing, all right? Or maybe, maybe, or maybe you missed a turn, and then all of a sudden she goes, turn back there. <laughs> no! Sometimes when it comes to repentance, we, we, we know what God's word says, but we're not changing direction. God's saying, turn right here, right? How many of you do GPS miscalculating, right? It's recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. I ain't going that way. You're, you know, you're silly. I'm going to go this way. And you, hey, I'm going to turn the other way. Recalculating, recalculating. That's what God does every single time you seek him. God's saying, recalculate. I'm going to take you a better way, a different way. I need you to turn. I need you to change direction. Because I don't want you to go down the path of death into darkness. I want you to go to the path of light, the path of freedom in Jesus' name. See, repentance means to change directions, which indicates movement. Which indicates movement. Which indicates taking a step. But so many of us, instead of embracing the pain of change, because some of us, we hate change. I'm very comfortable going this way, Pastor. I'm comfortable in my addiction. I'm comfortable in my secret. I'm here to tell you, you're only sick as your secret. And God is saying, change. I want you to just change direction. I want you to repent. If you change your direction, but instead of embracing the pain of change, we shack up with guilt and shame. We've been married to it. It's a monster in our life. You know, there's a story in the Bible in 2 Samuel, where King David, very successful king and man after God's own heart. When he was a child, he defeated the big giant named Goliath. Fast forward, he's in the palace, and he had very, uh, just victories and conquests. He would come and defeat cities, and God would tell him, David would say, God, can I go into that city? Will you give me victory? And God would speak to David and say, I'm giving you victory. Can you imagine that kind of confidence? And so David would go into battles, have victory. Well, one day David got tired. David didn't want to go to battle. So all the other kings and the armies went out to battle, but David, David decided to stay at home. And here's, you know what's up there? You, when you're isolated, you give the monsters of your mind more power when you isolate yourself. And the monsters of your mind begin to dictate your decisions and your actions. That's why small groups are so powerful. That's why coming on Sundays is so powerful. That's why sometimes we say, man, I just want to, you know, take a break and relax. I'm saying, got to get to church so you can get around others. They can encourage you. They can help you. And so David went on to the, the, the porch, or the, uh, the, whether it is the patio or up on the roof, and he can see all across the city. And he saw a woman named Bathsheba taking a bath. That's all I remember her name all the time, right? Bathsheba taking a bath. And David said, I want her to come to my palace. So his guards came and got her, and he laid with her. He slept with her. She conceived. She, had a, she was pregnant. And while she was pregnant, he said, okay, she is married. She is married. And so I need to put her husband on the front lines. And long story short, he died because David knew exactly where to put him so that he would get killed in battle. And so here's David. He has Bathsheba. And they have a child. But God uses a prophet named Nathan to come and confront David. and said, David, you are that man. You are living in sin. And all of a sudden, because of the consequence of his sin in the Old Testament, David lost a child. 
And so David's weeping, and he's crying, he's anointing himself with oil, has sackcloth on. And in 2 Samuel chapter 12, the baby dies, and that's the result and the consequence of his sin. 2 Samuel chapter 12, it says, David got up, and he went back to his original intent. He went back to war. He went back to battle. He decided, I'm going to repent and change direction. I'm going to move on to God's plan and purpose for my life. That is what we need to do in this church. It is so hard to affirm yourself when you're living in sin. But David writes in Psalm 51, he said, God, create in me a pure heart. And he said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. There is no affirmation when there's no joy. But if you begin to turn and repent, you say, God, thank you that you're restoring to me the joy of my salvation. I was going that way. Now I'm going this way. I didn't have any purpose or hope or joy. Now I'm knowing who God is. Now I'm on a spiritual journey for greater things, for God's praise and God's glory. See, when we repent, God always restores. Always. And some of you need to hear that today. What an amazing affirmation for this morning. When we repent, God always restores. But here's the problem. The enemy has made repentance a gross, disgusting thing. When we hear repentance, we're thinking, I'm, I'm bad. I'm going to get kicked out. I don't belong here. And the enemy wants to make repentance sound so terrible because he knows that if you repent, God's going to restore. And restoration means God's going to place you back into the original intent for good works, to make a difference for God's praise and God's glory. God always restores when we repent. But I want you to be as much aware of God's extravagant love than you are with your sin. We're always so familiar. I know what I've done wrong. I know where I fall short. I'm here to redirect you and say, focus on God's extravagant love. That God says, you're going this way. And you know what God's doing? He's with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God is saying, come on, let's turn around. Let's turn around. Let's recalculate. Let's change direction. You missed a turn. You missed a turn. And when we finally turn around, the Bible says, all heaven rejoices for the one that has come back. That is what happens when we repent. When we change our mind. I'm here to tell you, if you join our A-team, you go to Avenue Church, and you're a greeter, whatever it is, this is the place where you can come as you are. I believe all of us, we have struggles. Raise your hand if you're perfect. Liar. I'm kidding. Nobody raise your hand. All right. Nobody's perfect in this place. We all have our struggles. I'm okay as your pastor with the struggle as long as there's a fight in you to change direction. As long as there's a fight in you, you say, yes, pastor, I'm going to go this way. But on Monday, something happens, you go back this way. Pastor, I really want to go that way. Well, let's go on a spiritual journey together. Let's begin to see the change. Let's go on the process. Let's go on the journey. See, the goal at Avenue Church is not just to have fun, because we have fun up in here, all right? We have fun. We're excited. The Avenue, play, Avenue Church is the place to be enjoyed, not endured. It's a place where you could take the Word of God home with you on Monday. But the goal of Avenue Church isn't just to have fun, it's to be holy. It's sanctification. So when we raise our hand, put it, put it up, put it right back down at the end of this service. When we pray that prayer, we say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, be Lord of my life. I'm saved, I'm redeemed, I'm a child of God. Sanctification, uh, salvation happens right away, but sanctification is the process. It's a journey that we go on. And sanctification complements our salvation. It's not about behavioral modification. It's about relationship. And when I fall in love with Jesus, when I give him my heart, 
I be, my, my actions and my behavior begins to change. See, the key to repentance is changing, it's moving, and it's affirming. It's affirming. So number one is repent, but number two is reject. It's reject. Reject, it's reject, instead of accept. But do you know that your thoughts determine your current reality? It is so powerful that the way we think determines the outcome of our day. Come on, somebody. That our thoughts determine our reality. That your life will be defined by the thoughts that you accept or reject. But so many times in this culture that we're so, we're we're so open-minded that we have no true north. And when you're very open-minded, you begin to entertain every thought that comes into your life. Hey, you're this. Ah, oh, let me entertain that. Let me chew on that a little bit. Let me be able to begin to realize what this is. It means you entertain every single thought that shows up. I'm here to tell you, we cannot be naive Christians. We must have moral absolutes. You know, I was camping this week for the 4th of July. And uh, we were homeless for two nights. Come on, somebody. It was awesome. It was fun. We were in uh, Lake Navajo and set up our tent. And it's hilarious because, thank goodness, we went with somebody who knows how to camp. We're like, how do we eat? You know, <laughs> like, what do we do? And, and we just had a blast there with my family, joined another family. And uh, towards the evening, uh, they, 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 they made an announcement. They said, uh, there's no running water. We now have porta-potties. I didn't realize how long I could hold my breath until I went into a porta-potty. Come on, somebody. Come preach some real today. And so I was eating towards the evening, and I said, okay, I got to go to the bathroom. And, and so I walked out to the porta-potty and had my flashlight. And I realized as I left the campsite with the fire and a lantern and I walked out, I began to realize how dark it was. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't recognize the place I was at. So I got my flashlight out. It was a terrible, like, gas station flashlight, you know, like trying to see where I'm going. And so on my way back, I said, you know what? It's so dark. I literally forgot how dark it is out there in the wilderness, right? Like there's always a street light on. There's always car light. There's always something on. The Luxor, right? Turn that off, okay? And so what I did is I shut my flashlight off, and it's pitch black where I'm at. Pitch black. I couldn't see just a couple steps in front of me because my eyes were still adjusting. It was really cool. I was able to look up and just see stars. I mean, just peppered stars all over the place. It was beautiful. It was amazing. But I used my little flashlight to help me on my path. I'm here to tell you, that flashlight is my moral compass in this world. In a world full of darkness, in a world full of monsters, I'm able to say, here is my path. Here is where I go. Psalms 119 says this, that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. So God's word is my moral compass. God's word helps me to know who I am in Christ. Help me to know where I'm going in Christ. Help me to know where my purpose is. Nobody else determines that except God's word. But the problem is, for many of us, it doesn't say that in our own life. It doesn't say your word is a lamp to my feet and a light is unto my path. It says Facebook is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How many saw the, the earthquake? Maybe you felt it, but if you didn't feel it, how many noticed on Facebook right away, right? Or earthquake, yeah, earthquake, right? You're like, there's an earthquake. How do you know? Facebook told me, what? We're finding in our immediate 
news on Facebook. Maybe a younger generation is at 11 o'clock, right? Snapchat is a light for my feet and a, and a light to my path. Maybe the news is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Maybe my friend, coworker, what somebody told me is a light unto my feet, a lamp to my feet, a light unto my path. I'm here to challenge you today. You've got to say, you know what? I reject that thought. I reject that notion. I reject it, but I accept what God's word says for my life. So I'm going to give you a monster challenge for this week. You ready for another monster challenge? It's P, come on somebody, it's the P48 standard. I'm going to give you the P48 standard. I want to see this on social media. I want to challenge you today. Put it on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. Uh, MySpace for some of you that de haven't deactivated it yet. God loves you. But the P48 challenge stands for Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. And this is what Philippians 4 verse 8 says. Every thought, I want you to put the P48 standard on it. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Paul knew we needed a lot of words in here, didn't he? Huh? Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So every thought that comes towards your mind, I'll say, does this pass the P48 standard? I'm here to tell you, church, I'm going to challenge you. Just because a thought is right, if it's not noble, I want you to reject it. Come. If a thought in your life is correct but it's not pure, I want you to reject it. I want you to say, that doesn't stand up to the P48 standard in my life. So I'm going to reject it. I'm going to think about whatever is lovely, whatever is praiseworthy. I'm going to focus on the good things of God because God's word is a light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet. There's a standard in my life. Because the goal is not to have fun. Our goal is to have holiness. Sanctification. I want to encourage you today that whenever you hear someone say, man, life is so tough, it is so hard, you can either accept that or reject it right there. You say, life is not hard, it's fun, it's amazing, it's incredible, it has its challenges, but I'm enjoying life. You can accept it or you can reject it. But here's the problem. For many of us, we're condoning our current actions by blaming our past circumstances. So what does that mean, Pastor? What, is that, what are you talking about? I've been, I've been known to do this as well, where we say, you know what, my growing up, my dad never said a kind word to me. My dad never said he loved me. So I have a hard time loving people. I'm cold and hard on the inside. What are you doing? You're condoning your present by your past circumstances. That's not noble. It might be true. I'm here to tell you, it might be true. But that's why we got to find freedom. So many people, they know God, but 87% of Christians never go to the next step, but that's finding freedom in Christ Jesus. Maybe we say, you know what, growing up, I never had a lot of money. We're just poor, so now when I get a paycheck, I just blow it on stuff. I just blip paycheck to paycheck because I didn't have any money growing up. That might be true, but that's not noble. I'm going to reject that notion. How I many you know I'm reading your mail today, aren't I? I'm so sorry. But there's past excuses that we blame our current circumstance, that our past 
should never define our current reality. Ever. It's the Word of God. The Word of God determines my current reality. You have to, in the mornings, I'll wake up my wife, and we'll have coffee and devotions, and then I'll get ready for work. And when I sit down on my laptop, one of the first things I do is I go through my emails. I try to only do it in the morning. And when I open up my emails, there's this uh, little sidebar that just lists all the different emails. I'm getting like hundreds of emails every morning. It's spam email. It's trash that doesn't get, that makes it through the filter. And there's all these emails. I'm telling you, it's like, where do these things come from? I subscribe to some of them, but I know I did not subscribe to essential oils, okay? Like, why am I getting essential oils email? I'm getting all this stuff. And so what I'll do every morning is I'll hold down the shift button, and I'll click an email, and I'll just start clicking. And all I need to do is see where it's from, who sent it to me. How many know where I'm coming from right there? Who, where it's coming from, the source, and the subject line. Woo! So there's a source and a subject line. I'll just go select, 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 select. And the next thing is so powerful. Delete, 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 delete. Some of you need to do that in your mind. You need to say, I know the source. What's the subject? Uh-uh. That sounds like gossip. That sounds like negativity. I'm going to delete, delete, delete. Maybe you got a thought late at night in your heart, and all of a sudden the enemy's speaking to you, saying, how dare you clap? How dare you shout this pastor down? I know exactly what you did. You say, no, 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 no. Delete, delete, delete. Our only what is praiseworthy, only what is noble. Because here's what Proverbs 23, verse 7 says. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. For as she thinks in her heart, so is she. You can blame everyone and anyone, but you are ultimately in charge of your own thoughts. You are the thinker of your thoughts. That's going to set somebody free today. You are the thinker of your own thoughts. We walk around like we have no control over our thought life. Yes, you do. According to the Word of God. Take every thought captive and cast it down. Remove it. I'm here to challenge you today. It's going to take some work. Because that thought, it's going to come back like some annoying little thing. It's going to come back, and you're just going to have to cast it down. Because our thoughts stir up our desire, and that desire prompts a decision. You know, it's been pretty hot. I mean, up in Utah, it was freezing. It was like 40 degrees at night. During the day, it was like 75 or 80. And so when we got back into St. George, Utah, we got out. It was hot in Utah, in St. George. 90-some degrees or 100 degrees. And so, man, I said, you know what? My son, he's a young man of God. I love my son. He's seven years old. He said something so powerful, probably the most powerful thing I've ever heard him say this week. He said, let's get some ice cream. I said, son, you're a man of God. <laughs> and man, we got some ice cream. I <laughs> My, my voice went up a little high. We had a waffle. I got a waffle cone, right? I got some salted caramel and our butterscotch and cookie dough. After church today, I might leave here today. If my wife lets me, I might go get some ice cream because that ice cream is going to be cold and delicious. I'm going to lick it. It's going to go down. It's cool me to the core. I'll be all better in this hot Vegas weather. What am I doing? I'm planting a thought in your mind. That thought might turn into an emotion. So I might get some ice cream after church today and that emotion might stir up a decision and you might say I think I'm going to get some ice cream after church today some of you in this room come on some of you are accepting that thought but many of you are rejecting that thought 
If you're accepting that thought, you are my best friend. I love you. If you're rejecting that thought, it's okay. You'll find freedom later. But thoughts stir up desire. Desire prompts a decision. I'm going to encourage you today. You get to determine the thoughts that you're thinking. There was a woman that came. She came to our pastor. She said, Pastor, I want to divorce my husband. I'm so sick and tired of him. He doesn't do anything right. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't meet my needs. I want to divorce him. I'm done. And the pastor said, whoa, okay, do me a favor. Just give me 10 days. I want you to go back home and for 10, uh, not for 10 days, for 30 days, I want you to pick 10 things that he does well. Instead of looking at the negative, I want you to focus on 10 things positive that he does. Whether it's he takes out the trash without telling you to, or maybe he has toothpaste and he puts the cap on that toothpaste. Maybe he's such a good husband that instead of just squeezing the toothpaste, he rolls it up from the bottom. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Why don't you focus on 10 things? So 30 days later, she came back to him, and the pastor said, how'd it go? Do you still want to get divorced? And she said, my entire perspective has changed. She said, not only has it changed, but I begin to notice more than 10 things. I begin to notice 20 or 30 things that he does so well. But also because I've been, been noticing the good things, I've been praising him on the good things. And as I praise him on the good things, his behavior is actually changing. Come on, somebody. I'm here to tell you, you can't dictate somebody else's behavior, but your thoughts and your actions can change their behavior. So I'm encouraging you today. What's the P48 challenge in your life? I hate my husband. Whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is praiseworthy, think on such things. Man, I hate my life. What is God doing in your life? The, what is he going to do if you go to growth track, serve on the A-team? What can God do in you and through you if you give your heart to Jesus Christ? Whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, think on such things. Here's the point. I want you to write this down. People reflect what you project. That's exactly what happened to the husband and wife. But here's the other flip side of it. Therefore, you can reject what others have projected. So if somebody gave you a negative comment or said, you are this, you could reject that. And as your pastor, I want to give you permission, permission to reject every negative thought, every negative label, anything that was spoken over your life that does not line up with the Word of God, that you can reject it. Someone called me blank growing up, I give you permission to reject it. Come on, you can clap for that one. And that's going to set somebody free today. And you walk out of here and you say, I've never realized that that's what I was stuck on. You know, a couple of years ago, several years ago, I was serving at a wonderful church, wonderful pastors. I loved what I did. But all of a sudden, just stress and anxiety just came over my life. I got to realize that the things I went through, I never understood it. And if you want to know about stress and anxiety and how we feel about it, Watched my message from last year called Asking for a Friend. But as I was going through this thing, you know, I began to have chest pains. My left arm would be tingle or numb. I'm going, that's a heart attack. I don't know what to do. I remember calling my mom. Mom, she's like, you better go in. Better safe than sorry. I remember going to quick care and, and walking up to the counter and saying, they're like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, <laughs> I think I'm having a heart attack. That's a really easy way to get back to the back room really quick, right? Like, everyone likes me here. This is so nice. They would check me out. 
and they say, you're not having a heart attack, your heart is great, but you're having acid reflux, anxiety, had, had endoscopies, I have a herniated esophagus, GERD, all these things, taking pills and things like that. But fear really gripped my heart. Because for me, I didn't mind it. I'll, yeah, I'll take all the medicine. I don't care. As long as it makes me feel better. But every night, man, my wife can tell you, I mean, I was afraid. Because my chest pains would start. I would lay down because I was laying down and they would get worse. I used to have fear in my heart. Man, what if I don't wake up? What if I don't wake up tomorrow? I'm, not, I'm, not here, I'm here to share with you, church. I'm not afraid of dying or going to heaven. I'm afraid of not making an impact before I go. I want to make a difference for God's praise and God's glory. And so I remember one night I laid down. It, it just freaked me out. It was just, it hurt. I thought, I, was, I thought something was going on, but I didn't want to, you know, go to the hospital again and do all that again. And so I went downstairs. And I began to just pray midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning. Just begin to pray. God, heal me. I'm God. I'm sick of this. God, help me. Is there sin in my life? No, I'm good. You know, what is this? And God brought me back to memory. I was about eight or nine years old. And in that memory, I remember being way back in North Dakota. My older brother, and I love my older brother. But it was during a time when my parents divorced. I became afraid of the dark. I was just afraid of the dark. And I remember my brother got so fed up with his little brother, just being afraid of the dark. So he went into my room and he said, you someday, and he didn't mean this, it was just an accident, I forgive him, all that, but he said, someday, you're going to die of a heart attack. And God brought me back to that memory, I completely forgot. And we brought back to that memory, I don't know what it is, I'm not trying to over-spiritualize anything, uh, but the, the Bible does say we wrestle against flesh and blood, against principalities and darkness, there are things that are deposited into our spirit. And when God brought that back to my memory, I said, wow, I, I had no idea. Maybe I held on to that. Maybe it was in my conscience. I don't know what it was, but it was inside of me. And I said, you know what? I cast that thought out. I rebuke what was spoken over my life in Jesus' name. And since then, no chest pain. Since then, no acid reflux. Why? Because I'm thinking about what is praiseworthy, what is noble, what is pure, what is good for God's praise and God's glory. So I want you to reject the thoughts. I want you to reject the projections. Reject the sin. I want you to accept what God's word says about you. And here's what I want to close. Worship team, come on out. I want us to sing that song I'm a child of God in just a moment. But there's a story in the Bible in Luke chapter 1 where Zechariah, he was a priest. He was an old man. He and his wife, they were very old and he wanted to have a, a child. So he went into the temple to praise God and to burn incense. And he was in the temple, and an angel of the Lord appeared. And the angel of the Lord said, Zechariah, you can have a child. And Zechariah's going, I'm old. This doesn't make sense. This isn't going to work. And his heart was filled with his doubt because of his mind. He had a mind monster. And the angel of the Lord said, you are to call him John. But because you don't believe, because you have doubt in your heart, you won't be able to speak. And so we walked out of the temple. He couldn't speak. He couldn't talk. And I think, you know, there's some power in that. Sometimes we just need to be quiet so we can hear the monsters, so we can accept them and reject them and align ourselves up with the Word of God. And so for eight, nine months, his wife had a baby. When the baby was born, family came over. I remember, he couldn't talk. And they said, we're going to name the child Zachariah. We're going to name him Zachariah. 
Zacharias said, mm-mm, nope, nope, mm-mm. He grabbed, the, uh, uh, he grabbed some writing paper, and he began to write down, and he wrote down, his name is John. His name is John. And when he showed it to them, they were, they were blown away. What's John? Where does this come from? And when he showed them the name, he was able to speak again. And he said, his name is going to be John. And as I looked that up, you know what Zechariah means? Zechariah means to remember, to look back. But you know what John means? John means grace. He said, I'm not going to remember or look back. I'm going to identify with grace. John became John the Baptist, the one who prepared a way for grace. He prepared a way for salvation to enter into this world so that Jesus could die on a cross, so that we're saved by grace through faith. I don't want you to remember anymore. I want you to accept grace. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read some scripture. And as I read the scripture, if you're identified with this scripture, because scripture is inspiring. Scripture is powerful. But if you identify with the scripture, I want you to stand up. I want you to get excited. I want you to begin to praise God. I'm going to read some scripture, and then we're going to go into a song. I want to encourage you today. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. My monsters, I'm rejecting you. I'm accepting what God's word says about me. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you identify that, you can stand up. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Romans 8, 1 says, therefore, come on, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, you are God's masterpiece created for good works that he planned long ago. We stretch out your hands and say, God, I accept your word for my life. Go ahead, worship team, sing that song. I want to be able to identify what we are through Christ. This is it right here, church. I'm not what they say I am. I am what you say I am. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Come on, begin to worship today. Begin to cast down every every thought. Father, your word is a lamp unto my path, a light unto my feet. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, today I am free. I am free today. With every head bowed, if I closed, there was a woman who was in a, in a restaurant that was on fire. And the news later interviewed her. And she was just 20 feet away from the back door. And as this restaurant was burning down, she was paralyzed by fear. All she did was she stood there and she screamed. And one of her co-workers ran back into the building and he grabbed her and she was kicking and screaming. And he said, I'm trying to save your life. I'm trying to get you out of here. So he ends up picking her up and brings her out of the building and the restaurant collapsed. I'm here to tell you today, there's someone named the Holy Spirit 
and he's running into that building where you're at. And you're paralyzed. You're trying to change direction. Maybe there's confusion. Maybe you've accepted the, the negative false words that have been spoken of your life. And the Holy Spirit saying, I'll run into any building. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to move you. I'm going to bring you towards God, towards his plan and purpose for your life. But maybe you're here today. You say, Pastor, I'm tired of being paralyzed. I'm tired of being stuck where I'm at. But today I'm ready to take a step. Will you pray a prayer with me? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. We will have a prayer team available right after I pray. I'll dismiss everybody with Lorenzo, and you can go to a prayer team. But with every head bowed, if I closed, and you're here today, and you said, enough is enough, will you pray with me, Pastor? We're all going to pray a prayer together. But if that is you today, and you're ready to take a step towards the things of God, every head bowed, if I closed, just put a hand up, put it right back down. Say, that's me. Yes, 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 yes. Anyone else? Yes, yes. Up, right back down. Yes, yes. Anyone else? Up and right back down. Yes, I see that. You can put it back down. Up, right back down. That's all I'm going to do today because I want to know who I'm praying for. I want to know what God's going to do in your life. I want to be able to see you change direction, and God's going to change your life. So everyone, pray this prayer with me. Everyone, shout this out. Say, Jesus, I need you. Say, thank you for dying on the cross. Say, thank you for paying for what I did. So today, I receive your forgiveness to be Lord of my life, to be number one, to with all my heart, the best way I know how, I'm gonna live for you. Say today, I give you everything. Say today, I now know who I am. Say I'm saved, I'm redeemed, I'm a child of God. Come on everybody, make God a shout of praise today. Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc.